connecting the future that He desires for you to your today, then He is focused on your past. Did you catch that? God's more focused on your today and connecting your today than He is on your past. And we kind of use, I like this word picture. It's kind of like a car, okay? Your windshield should be a lot bigger than your rear view mirror. Drivers? Right? Am I right? You should spend, now you should have a rear view mirror, but your, your windshield, and for your life, with what God is doing in your life, and the reason we, sorry, I'm just going to awkwardly adjust for a second. The reason we um, choose songs and scriptures and sermon topics that are focused on your salvation and your forgiveness and God's purpose in your life and the identity that God wants for your life is because we believe that God sees your past but He brings healing and forgiveness to your past, and He's more focused on your today. Amen? Now, as a church, we're not big on a lot of artificial activities and trying to get you to just join our merry band and trying to get you to just show up to an event or activities where we all wear the same t-shirts and we, and we all, all we talk about is the church and the titles of the people in the church. The reason why we're not as focused on that stuff is because I believe that it's very clear in scripture that what's going on in your personal life and your personal interaction between you and God is essential to your connection to the kingdom of God and the church which Jesus talked about a lot. See, we might um, be immature or not understand fully, and so we might say, well, I love Jesus, but I'm going to punt on the church. I want nothing to do with the church. Well, when you get to heaven, it's going to be a really rough time because Jesus gave his life for the church. Jesus was focused on the church. Jesus talked about the realities of heaven and hell a lot. And Jesus talked about the kingdom of God a lot. And Jesus talked about the church and the people that he was talking to, their immediate response showed that what he taught and what they believed was that the church was God's way of building his kingdom on the earth. Okay, now I know that I just went from like Jesus 101 to 401. So I'm going to back up and I'm going to explain a little bit of what I just said, okay? But your personal connection with Jesus and God's purpose in your life cannot be removed from the vision of this church. Did you hear what I just said? So I want to make sure that we don't get this mixed up. Does that make sense? Does that sound good? Okay, so let's go, um, let's go to Colossians chapter 1. And before, and I'm just going to lift quickly a couple of phrases from this letter. But before I do, I just want to quote to you what Jesus said. It's Jesus that's talking in John 3.16. It's Jesus who's explaining this whole being born again thing, this whole forgiveness thing. It's Jesus who says, God so loved the world that he gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
See, it's Jesus who says that. It's Jesus who's explaining us to us that a new life is possible. Okay? Colossians 1, verse 14 out of the New Living, referring to Jesus, purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Jesus purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And in verse 23, you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. So we can drift towards complexity and deeper or complicated truths of Scripture. We can drift towards complexity and complicated aspects of being a part of a human organization when God is always calling us back to simplicity. Simplicity of the gospel that calls for a profound response from us. Okay? Verse 14 of chapter 2. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Your sins have been forgiven. Your guilt has been wiped out. And then chapter 3 and verse 1, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. You see, every one of us, when you come to Jesus, and Jesus is for the people, Jesus is for all of us, and we've been talking about what that means, for people that don't feel like they fit, for people that know that they've made mistakes, for people that know that they are far from God, or maybe didn't have the right family, or don't know the right vocabulary, didn't come up in church, or or weren't accepted at church, or believe it or not, in my church when I was a teenager, I was very much a black sheep of the church, and I could tell you story after story about what that means. I was an outcast, I was an outsider, I wasn't one of the good kids, that was not my story. And so for every person that knows that they have made mistakes, for every person that knows that they are in need of forgiveness, for everyone, it is the same God who, for Moses, who was a murderer, for Rahab, the prostitute, for David, the murderer, for Paul, the murderer, for that woman of that reputation, the home wrecker at the well. For everyone, what Jesus has to say is that your guilt has been removed. When we come together on a Sunday morning, yeah, it might be a little cold and that helps us kind of stay awake. And, you know, it's cold. If Carol says it's cold in here. You know, it's... it's, <laughs> it's we, when we come together on a Sunday morning, you might have to kind of shake yourself and get your mind focused, but it shouldn't take much because the reality is for you as a person, for you individually, it is your sin that is forgiven. It is your past, your guilt that is removed. The good news of the gospel is that a new life, a brand new start, a new season, a new day is possible for you. I don't have to look at the past. And vision involves being honest. 
And unfortunately, I find that a lot of church folks want anything but that. I want to come and I want to pretend that everything's okay. Right? Right? I mean, there's nothing I'd, I'd want more than to walk in today not on crutches and pretend that everything's okay. That'd be really nice. We want to walk in and pretend that everything's okay. But that doesn't get us to real life change. Do you hear me? There's not a single perfect person in this room. There's sinners and forgiven sinners. That's it. But I have to get honest. Get honest with myself. Get honest with God about my need for Him. And then I need to live an open life. I need to be honest with others and seek help. Find the grace of God in both the Scripture and in relationship with others that encourage me, that build me up, that help remind me that God isn't looking at me today through a lens, through sunglasses of my past, of my mistakes. That's not why he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross, to be executed. That's not why he allowed that to happen, so that he would still look at us through that past. We've got to come and discipline ourselves and focus on the reality that this new start is available today. And then out of that, God is looking for a response. Are you with me? It's amazing. It's truly amazing. And thankfully, Jesus gave us some advice. The thing that Jesus said over and over that we see in Matthew 4 is repent and turn to God. It was Jesus' primary message. It was the thing that he said the most. Repent and turn to God. We are to turn away from being selfish. And it's easy to attend church all your life and be very selfish and not be aware of it. And if you're not in relationships where other people can be honest with you, you can be completely unaware that you are one of the most selfish people in the world But you're unaware of it when you're not doing life that's open with others. Growing up takes a lot longer when you're living isolated, protecting yourself, pretending that everything's okay. Jesus said, repent. That takes humility. Humility's not easy. Jesus said, repent, turn to God. Jesus said, follow me. We've been talking about that the last couple weeks. It should be very, very simple for everyone in this room to ask yourself, am I just a fan of God? Did I click the like button? Am I a fan? Am I a follower on Twitter or Facebook? Or am I actually a follower of God? There's a whole YouTube series of videos. I'm, I'm not a fan. Are you, you should know at any moment if you are following Jesus. That's what Jesus called us to do. Well, what we see by the response of those that he told to follow him is that we follow Jesus together by faith. He didn't ask anyone to follow him by themselves. That's really good news. And so where I see selfishness and pride in Christians is when they're trying to follow Jesus by themselves and they don't come to small group and they don't show up to church and have open relationships and they don't get honest. They come and they pretend. And that that might sound harsh. Listen, I love you. I'm trying to help you by explaining this. Pride evidences itself by living a truly isolated life where I don't want anyone else to know my needs and what's going on in my life. I don't want anyone else to know how I really feel and what I really think. That's how it really works. Now, we're called to follow Jesus together by faith. 
What did Jesus say was the most important thing in Scripture? I'm so glad you asked. He said, love God with all you've got. So just like following Jesus, loving God with all you've got is pretty simple. You know if you're doing it or not. Right? It's really simple. And then loving other people with his kind of love is also simple. Not easy, but simple. Right? So love God with all my God, love your neighbor as yourself. And then what did he say? What was the action point he gave us? Go and urge. Now the vision of this church, our goal, our dream, our desire is to take as many people to heaven with us as possible. Hello? And how do we do that? I find that more people come to Jesus when we ask more people to come to Jesus. And it's easy to go through life and I've got this reason, that reason, that reason, and this reason which might be things that you can actually see that might be real, but are obstacles that we need to choose to overcome in order to follow Jesus and obey his word, which was to go and urge people of all kinds, he said, to become my followers. So how did they respond to this command that Jesus gave them? It's really simple. And, and my prayer today in service would even be easier to understand if you read what happened the rest of the story which starts off in Acts 1 and 2. What happened? They responded by devoting themselves, giving themselves to Jesus' teaching, to fellowship, having fun. They had a lot of fun. They had a lot of parties. They talked a lot. They ate a lot together. They laughed a lot. They enjoyed being around each other. You know, it's really easy, you know, coming from the Pacific Northwest and largely Anglo culture, it's normal to live a very private life. And so very contrary of what I just said about living an open life. It's very normal to walk. I would work in the city, take public transportation to the city. It would be very normal for me to go to work, work, not talk to anybody on the way there, not talk to anybody on the way back, not talk to anyone while I'm there about anything real in my life, and then go straight home and spend all my time at home paying my bills, doing my stuff, but also trying to get, you know, what's the American dream? That you have some free time and you can do whatever the heck you want to do and that you do it by yourself. If we're honest, there's a little bit of that in there, right? And so then that would be a very normal thing for a white person in the Pacific Northwest to do, for the average one, okay? Not like what we present in public, but what actually happens in the real world. And then to go to church as, really, it just, it's an, I check all the mental boxes. I believe I raise my hands, I pray, I sing, but I'm really just checking the boxes. I go there, I attend the event, and then I go straight home. I don't before, during, or after, or any time during the week, spend time with anybody else that attends that event. That would, I'm just telling you from my personal experience, I don't know what it's like growing up in Baltimore or Nigeria or wherever else in the country. You know, some of you came from South Carolina, Minnesota, wherever. But for me, growing up in the Pacific Northwest in an Anglo culture, that's very normal. Like, you might see family... You probably would see family at Christmas. You might see them at Easter. But i got to be honest with you. Like the extended family, like Rebecca married into it. Rebecca has this huge extended family. I went to the first party, 75 people. That's all, just 75. Freaked me out. Now, I had 75 extended family members, but we didn't see each other. And we were Jesus followers, and we loved each other. So I know what it's like. I don't want you to get me wrong. To grow up with this, like, this is my life. It's normal. How dare you say to me that that's selfish or proud? If you're offended with me, I understand. Please forgive me. I'm trying to help you. 
I mean that. I'm not being sarcastic. So I know some of you do get your feathers ruffled when I talk about small groups. It's okay. I get that. I really do. I used to feel that way too. I really did. I really didn't want anybody telling me that I needed to do something different. Now, our church had a lot of other activities too. In this church, we've set it up so there's Sundays and time for small groups. And aside from the small groups getting together to do garbage cleanups and prayer walks and a few things here and there, we don't do a whole lot else so that you have time to spend some social time with other people in the church. That's why we do it that way. I know it's maybe not how you grew up. And maybe it's, it might not be what you like. But it's for your benefit. It will help you. It will help you to share your life with other people. The Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church for the benefit of the church. And it was Jesus who set this up. And so what we see is that in everything that they did, even in meeting each other's needs, meeting needs in the city and prayer and sharing communion, that what we can't separate from the biblical account of what the people who Jesus talked to actually did in response to what Jesus said. And by the way, what they did is important because that's why you're here. Hello? little historical common sense. What they did was they met on weekends in a public place and they met during the week in homes. And they met a lot more than once a week. So what I'm asking you to do might be hard because of how you understand your restrictions and your life to be. But I believe that if you take an honest approach to what the Bible says and whether or not you're in heaven or hell, and whether or not you're in a functional relationship where you're following Jesus, and whether or not you're growing stronger, and like is said in Colossians 1, getting firm into these beliefs, and whether or not, like in Acts 2, you're following Jesus the way that they follow Jesus, I think that if you look at it like that, your priorities and your values start to shift, and like Chris and Abby, you're willing to drive a long way to come to small group. You're willing to change your schedule. You're willing to change your life. You're willing to go to bed earlier if you need to. You're willing to sacrifice DVR the program or watch it on the internet instead of watching it live and get face-to-face with some people that love you. There's really awesome people in this church. And I know you all know it because you're here. But it's for your benefit, and it's what happened in Scripture. And so I can't talk about where we want this church to go. I can't talk about what we would like to accomplish and the things that we want to do in the city that are beyond Sunday morning and beyond small group if it's not rooted in, anchored in, your real life. And let me just say, as a pastor, I don't think I've got your life figured out. Did you hear me? I don't assume that I've got your life figured out. I believe in what Peter called the priesthood of all believers. And let me sum it up by saying this. Your interaction with God really matters. Whether you know what words to say or not. Whether it's ever in public or not. Your interaction with God, you are a priest. Your worship of God. Look at what God and what Jesus says about worship. And your heart, your prayer, your sharing your testimony. What did John see happens in the end? We have people watching this Left Behind movie and all these crazy ideas about the end times. Listen, I taught a class on the book of Revelations in a Bible college. 
Let me tell you what happens. Jesus comes back and we win. The book of Revelation's actual title is the Revelation of Jesus Christ. And in Revelation 12, 11, it says this, of us over the devil. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives even to the death. Whether or not you share your story is a part of how we overcome the enemy. Everyone, no matter how afraid you are, I'm so grateful for Laura's boldness today. Right? Your relationship with God is really important. And you're, it, it's going to always be a struggle if you're trying to do it by yourself. You hear me? Now, if I get a hold of relationships with other people in the church and I dig in and I'm doing the things that we see on the screen here from Acts 2 that those believers, then stuff starts to change. It starts to shift. I don't lose my identity. I don't start cutting my hair like Pastor Ben. I couldn't get in for a haircut this week. It was a rough week. I don't start to lose my identity. I start to become more of who God created me to be. The real me starts to really come out. That's what happens as a byproduct. Now, here's what happens, right? We got to talk about some simple truth, and I'm going to have Nate come up and talk about life groups. There's nothing more powerful than the good news of Jesus. There's no better way to introduce people to this truth than by relationships. Now, we, we do some events to try to make it easier for you to bring people to church, and we do Sunday lunches so it's easier for you to bring people to Jesus, and we do small groups so that it's easier for you to bring people to Jesus. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? We do those things, but it is your relationship with them that is the most powerful tool of the most powerful message in the universe. Forgiveness and healing are found in Jesus. People need Jesus. That's why we as a church are helping people connect with Jesus grow in faith and share his love how do we do this i'm so glad you asked we connect by gathering on weekends to worship to receive and respond to his love i want you to connect with jesus a living god we grow by meeting in small groups for prayer learning and sharing life now sure uh, Sundays and small groups, you, you kind of both. Like you can connect with Jesus in a small group too. You can grow on a Sunday too, right? And those of you that are mature believers, you recognize that I'm constantly in my messages laying out icebergs, hints of things you can study that go deep, that can be powerful and no matter how many hours you have in the week. But we grow. We really grow when we're owning that truth, possessing that truth, allowing other people to speak into our lives to help us understand just how selfish we are, or how we're growing, how we're changing, and seeing the glory of God in changing our identity. We share, this is a good one, let's pay attention, by living like Jesus and sharing His love. That's a really simple idea, isn't it? Live like Jesus, share His love. How do we do that? Every day. And everywhere. Every day and everywhere. This week in national media, there's an article, an interview with Justin Forsett, a recent running back in the Ravens offense who has replaced Ray Rice rather well. And Justin is talking about his faith. He came to us through the anointed Seahawks. And Justin is talking about his faith. 
And in talking about his faith, Justin talks about when he goes to the weight room and when he runs the ball on Sunday, he's doing it as an act of worship to God. And that is the truth. When you change your perspective, and I've had bad jobs and bad bosses, and my attitudes and my challenges were totally changed when I started to realize that the quality of my work could be a worship to God. Justin talks about that when he runs the ball. When you see him run the ball through the Colts, I'm sorry, Chris, defense today, you're going to see him running as a worship to God. Wherever you are, if you're in school, at work, at home, wherever you are and whatever you do, your life can be in physical therapy. Your life can be a worship to God, right? A worship to God every day and everywhere, okay? Now, we just real quick, those of you that didn't catch it, how did we do this? Last year, these are some things that we did. Obviously, Sunday mornings and life groups are cleanup where we went and picked up trash in neighborhoods and prayer walk days in Waverly and Remington and Hamden, um, Southwest Baltimore. Um, help, we help the homeless. We do it on a regular basis with clothing and food, with Mother's Cry. We helped a Mother's Day banquet, um, Center for Urban Families, and we do a lot of other stuff. In 2013, we saw uh, attendance as a church doubled and life group participation doubled. From October of 2013 to September of 2014, which October to September is our church calendar, we grew from an average on the low side on the end of summer average of 45 on Sundays to 57. We grew from 26 people volunteering to help Sundays happen to 40. We grew from 3 to 4 life groups, from 20 to 25 households consistently giving. And one of our biggest goals was that we would be less supported from the outside of other churches. And actually, we had some other churches that had some things changed for them and could no longer support us. Um, and so we are growing up as a church. And by the way, there is a box at the back of the room. There are envelopes. You can put a cash or check donation there or on our website. Yes, we do believe in tithe and offering. Yes, we do believe in giving. We just don't talk about it every week because we think you're grown up enough that you can do that. You can live a courageously generous life because God loves you, not because you were guilted into writing a check. Thank you. Are you with me? None of you like to be guilted into writing a check, right? No, come on. But at the same time, <laughs> you may need a reminder. So there is always a box here. There is always the website. And yes, we do need our, your donation. We are actually below our operating budget for the last couple of months um, and not able to hit every one of our uh, courageous generosity donations we, um, that we would like to do in this quarter. So we do need your giving. Uh, but we are now only 11% supported from the outside, and I'm very glad for that. So here's what I see happens. And Nate, if you'll come now. Here's what I think is going to happen from October of 2014 to September of 2015. Right now we have 87 people that would call this their church home, 87. I think that's going to grow to 112. Right now we've been averaging 57 uh, adults and kids on Sundays. I think that's going to grow to 74 at the end of the summer, the low time. I think it may get bigger than that. Right now we have 40 people that volunteer on Sundays. I think that's going to grow to 52. Right now we have four life groups. I think we're going to go to six and from 48 people in life groups to 62. We've done six serve events this last year, and we are going to do 10. This is what I see as a part of our vision that is not separate from what God is doing inside your life, how God is building you, making you stronger, how God is helping you grow stronger relationships. And I've asked Nate to come to talk about how this works, because we follow Jesus together in faith wherever we are. Okay, so Steve's going to change the slides over and uh, Nate is going to come and talk a little bit about life groups.
Clayton gave me this great opportunity. Um, and I'm really excited because this is something that, to be quite honest, when I started, when I, you know, life groups, I was like, I hate these. These are the worst. I really don't like them. Um, being in it and being understanding, kind of having this understanding of what it really means and getting that, um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So when Ben asked me this, and Brittany and I lead a life group, um, one of the things that we were really thinking when Ben asked me this is like, okay, well, to talk about life groups, what do we have? And we really thought, again, our life group, we try to keep it fairly simple. There's really two things that we want to focus on. We want to focus on relationships and then purpose. And those things have to be together. You can't have one and not the other. If you have only one but not the other, life group really doesn't work, and you're really wasting your time, to be quite honest. So when I was thinking about this first part, relationships, um, especially, well, why do I need to go to a life group to have a relationship? This is actually a screen grab of my Facebook. Um, I don't know where on this, but it should say, oh, there we go. At the top, it says I have about 405 friends, which I'm sure is about pennies to everyone else in here. Um, <laughs> so in an age where I'm so connected, I have 405 people in my life, according to Facebook. I have 405 people in my life that are there for me, supporting me. That's according to Facebook. Um, and now, again, this is just right here. These people right here are, according to Facebook, my best friends. These are the people that are going to be there for me no matter what. <laughs> These are the people. You can kind of look at those pictures, uh, especially Toby, and you wonder, wow. Um, <laughs> he is really in trouble. I hope nothing bad ever happens to Nate. Uh, to be honest, the only person that I've talked to from this list in probably four months is Brittany. <laughs> That's the only person. So... Uh, yeah, again, something. Not, I hope nothing ever major happens in my life, or I don't have a change in my in the seasons of my life, or anything like that. Because Brittany will be on the island with me. That's it. <laughs> so we have this. We're so connected. We're so connected, and and we look and you see a little bit more here. These are some polls from my actual news feed. As you can see, I did this last week because if I'd done it uh, yesterday, I would have had us upsetting number four Oklahoma. Um, so uh, Horn Frogs, hopefully, will be jumping into the top ten, have a real shot. Um, but what we have is you can you get a little bit of glimpse into my life. I am a huge fan of TCU football; it's great. Um, down here, we have someone that I went to law school with talking about how Daredevil is a terrible movie, and I can't agree more. We have here another friend. That's her kid. He's cute. He's picking up something. I can't even tell from the picture. Another friend who's uh, going to England. And another friend down here asking an actually fairly serious question. What does it mean to be an agent of change? So in all of that, thinking about relationships, what type of relationship do I want to have? And especially for life group, we've decided the idea is we need to have life-giving relationships. That's what life group's about. So that when you're down, you can go to these people and you know these are people that are for you. They're going to help you. They're going to stand with you in every way they can. You also want to have these people, when you just got a new job or you got a promotion, you got a raise, you want to go there and say, look, something really great happened. Let's celebrate. All those people that we just talked about, that's great. Like, I mean, aside from the football ones, are these really life-giving? Like, okay, that's really cool. <laughs> She's got a kid. I'm really excited for her. But personally, that doesn't... Uh, doesn't benefit or detract from my life in any way. It's a zero-sum game there. 
guy's going to England. I'm happy for him, but I don't ever talk to him, so I'll never actually even discuss that. Again, daredevil, I, <laughs> there's nothing life-giving. Uh, so, but in all of that, that's what we kind of want. And this is a time where you, in, when you have a life group, that people are there for you. Um, people are there with you. So that's kind of the premise. Um, and a little bit later, I'm going to kind of give just a few examples about how our life group has been able to do that, only because I haven't been in your life group, so I don't know um, those stories, which I'm sure are equally as good. But the second part that's really important is purpose. If you just have your relationships, and that's what we want to, we're just coming there to hang out with friends, and that's it, then it doesn't make any sense to set aside time and rearrange my schedule on a Wednesday at 7 p.m., go to somebody else's house to meet with someone. That doesn't make sense. That's crazy. What would make more sense is to just wait, call up my friend and say, hey, when are you available? Let's just meet then, and we can hang out. That would make more sense if all I'm doing at a life group is hanging out with my friends. So we also have to have purpose. And when I was thinking about this idea of purpose and a life group, why life group is so important to purpose, I really thought of, um, I thought of the flying V. So, not actually, not actually this flying V. I thought it was just, uh, it's part of my childhood and I love it. So, but actually, oh, going all the way, all the way. This flying V. And what's really interesting about this, and I've always imagined it, is these, these birds, these ducks, I think they look like ducks, they travel long, very, very long distances. That is their purpose, is to get from point A to point B on this travel. And it's a long way. And the thing that allows them to make it the whole way is the V. If they didn't travel in this V, if they traveled by themselves, if they just traveled one duck trying to go from Canada to Mexico, it's going to take them forever. They're probably, I mean, will they get there? Probably eventually, sure. But they're going to get tired. And what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to stop. They're going to have to land. They're going to have to stop, rest, take a break. Now, they might eventually still get to the end goal, their end of their purpose. They still might get there. But it's going to take them a long time. It's going to be a lot harder. But what does this V do? This V allows them to keep going forward. So if you're at the back, you're one of these ducks at the back, because of all these other ducks here flying it for you, they're cutting the wind for you, so there's less resistance. It's easier for you to go back. So when you're tired, what happens is they essentially just circle out. They go to the back. And they keep going, and they keep going. And someone who is, who's refreshed kind of comes up and moves into the front to help cut the wind to move these people forward. So instead of having to stop and take a break and wait and pause and be still and not be moving forward, even when you're tired, you're still moving forward. You're still moving forward. Even when you don't feel the greatest, even when life is really awful and really terrible, you're still moving forward. You're still going towards that goal. You're still becoming who God wants you to be. You don't have to take a break and take yourself out of the game, so to speak. And that's what's, I think that's one of the great things about it. The other thing about this too, though, and why I said the first part of the relationship is so important, is you really don't, in this, in this kind of metaphor, you, don't ha- you can't have this V if you don't have the relationship first. So relationships have to be there. Yeah. If you're just kind of meeting together with a bunch of, I guess, random people, and trying to be purpose and, and moving towards Christ together, it's going to be very disjointed and you're going to have a very hard time. You have to have the relationship so that you can then have this purpose and fulfill the purpose. So we were thinking about that and just kind of as we wrap up, I wanted to show you just a little bit about what that has meant for our life group. 
Um, up here we have a couple pictures. Um, and in this idea, we have this relationship. This is actually from a couple weeks ago, this picture up above me. Um, and that's actually, a few of us, we got together, we drove down to Crofton and just hung out with Chris and Abby on a Friday. This wasn't even Wednesday, this was in Life Group. But this is the type of relationship you have. When you get those and you form those relationships, you drive down to Crofton on a Friday just to hang out. Because it's fun, because it's enjoyable, because your life is better doing it that way than it is being alone on a Friday night watching some reruns or something like that. It's better. That's a relationship. Your life is enhanced. And I hope I can say for Allison, but I know for Brittany and I, we had a good time. Um, <laughs> so that's what... The other thing, too, is we have this idea of, of, of purpose as well as come out. This is Naya um, up in the top left, my top left, your top right. And in this picture, he's actually, this is from him actually leading a discussion that we had on racism. And that's what we do. We have these discussions because we want to get to know God better. And the cool part about this discussion was actually that because we were in it in a life group and because we were in it in relationship already and because our stated goal is we want to grow closer to Christ, it was really easy for Naya. We got to have a different type of conversation on racism. We didn't get to have a type of conversation like, is racism bad? Um, (laughs) Why do we have racism? We got to skip all of that and move on to say, okay, we understand that racism exists. We understand that it's bad. We understand God didn't create racism. So now as Christians living in society, living in a broken world where racism exists, what is our job to do about it? What do we do about it? What does the Bible say we do about it? And what does the Bible tell us to do about it? So we got to have this kind of a, a new think on it. And because we were all in relationship too, it was a safe space. Yeah. We could ask questions, questions that might seem dumb or questions that might you might, you're not going to just ask somebody. Um, <laughs> because you're like, oh, that's a touchy subject. Racism. Uh, but we were able to ask those questions and have that dialogue. And in the, in, through that, we got to learn more about each other and learn more about each other's experiences. So something, I'll be honest with you, um, if you can't see, I'm white. Um, I don't have problems with the police. In my eyes, police are good people. That's not the same experience as other people, but that's something I've never experienced, so it's harder for me to wrap my head around. I can understand, you know, that there's a different perspective. But in that relationship and moving in that purpose, I was we were able to hear different aspects. And I got to see different sides and understand things that I didn't understand that I haven't been I haven't lived out. But that's what you get kind of in this relationship. And then as we move forward and knowing, okay, well, how do we change this? And then finally, just this last picture that I have. Part of our purpose in a life group is not to be so inward focused. It's really easy. You can. And then you become a click. And you're exclusive to everyone else. You can't join our club. But that's not it. We're also called to be outwardly focused. God calls us in as purpose not to just better ourselves and to move closer to him, but also what Ben was talking about, share his love with other people. So this last one, we it's kind of a bad picture, but we had filled... Um, our, our whole countertop and then some with bags that we put together for the, the children at the Ronald McDonald House. They're in our neighborhood. There's someone who needed something who's going through a tough time. We said, you know what? We have some extra resources. We can do this. We'll put this together. And we're going to just go bless them because they're having a hard time and God wants us to love on them. So that's one of the things that we were able to do. And, and I'll say this just as, as well to other people who are in Life Group as I close up real quick is that one of the coolest parts about this, too, 
And uh, I don't want to step on Ben's toes here, but I'd never, as as the leader of life group, I didn't ask for Ben's permission to do this. <laughs> um, I saw some some people who are hurting, who had a need, yeah. and we said, okay, we're going to do something about it. We can do something. I didn't ask for Ben. We didn't ask for money from the church. Um, that's something each one of us in our life group, we pitched in because we said we have it. God's blessed us. We can go give a little bit because, to be quite honest, it wasn't very expensive. We can give a little bit to be a blessing to somebody else. Yeah. And that's one of the cool things about Life Group, too, is that as we operate in this church, you know, for everything, now there are some things, don't get me wrong, don't go crazy, but for everything, when there's a need, when there's a need in our life groups, and each of these life groups is spread out through different communities, you're the, you're the most able to see the need in your community. That's right. You can go say, there's a need, I'm going to go meet it, because God tells me to go meet the needs of the people in my community. That's the purpose that we have in this life group. That's, um, that's, that's kind of how we look at it. So we look at it really as this two, two, uh, two, two sides, this relationship, and then this purpose. Um, so that's kind of all I have. Uh, ben, if you could come up here, though, I have one other thing. And Rebecca, if you could come up. Um, Steve and Melinda, if you guys could come up. Just as we, could, as we end, um, I know... Ben is a very humble person, as even as he's been transparent that he's hurting. Um, we're just going to pray for him. We're going to do a little bit of uh, family time. What he hasn't told you is he's going to go. He has a doctor's appointment tomorrow um, to figure out what they need to do, what the next steps are. Um, so we're going to have just take a little bit of time. I know Ben does this for each one of us on a daily basis. He, can, he keeps us in prayer. Um, so... What I'd like you guys to do, and I just ask, if you can stand, just stand with it. We're going to agree. Steve and Melinda are going to just lead us in a prayer over them, over healing for his knee, wisdom for the doctors, and just a cover on their whole family through all of this. So, Steve and Melinda. No, please don't leave because I want to make a couple announcements before you take off. <laughs> if you guys could just stretch your hands forward. Um, here at City Bible Church, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in healing. That's right. And we believe that our God still heals. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that gets me excited. So we're just believing right now in faith for complete healing in Jesus' name. Lord, we just we thank you for the healing that you've already done in PB, Lord. And we just we pray that you continue it. We, we pray that you touch... Um, all the bone, all the ligament right now, and in Jesus' name, just be supernaturally healed. Just be strengthened. We pray that all the pain go right now in Jesus' name. That all the microfractures just close up. That the bone be made strong and whole. That the ligaments, any muscle, whatever is hurting, be made whole right now Mm -hmm. and be restored to its original value right now in Jesus name Mm -hmm. we pray for guidance over the doctors tomorrow Lord we we pray that they see a miracle and we we just pray that um, they don't do anything unnecessary that that they just um, I don't know they just just give them wisdom Lord give them guidance God, I thank you for Pastor Ben and his family. I thank you for all the hours that he puts into each and every one of our lives and our family's lives, God. And I just pray right now for a miraculous healing in your name, Jesus, for healing and strength in the name of Jesus right now. Pray for the Holy Spirit to just burn out that um, whatever is broken and pray it completely. 
be completely healed in yes. Jesus' name, 100%. And that when he goes tomorrow, that the ACL will just be there. It'll be back and restored in Jesus' yes. name. Completely made whole comes. in Jesus' name. Mm. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Um, uh, at some point in the last couple of days, Melinda was praying for me via text, and I had a, a great deal of pain in my ankle and the top of my calf, and while she was praying for me via text, it, uh, it went away, and it hasn't come back. Amen. So I'm glad for that. Um, so um, thank you very much uh, for taking into prayerful consideration what we talked about today. Um, there are many other exciting things, including activities um, that we have planned for the coming year that we will talk about more in the future. Um, on the subject of, of small groups on closing prayer, um, I want you to know, uh, not all of you may know, Rebecca and I um, lead a small group, um, and um, unfortunately she'll be out of town this week, and so we won't be meeting this week. Um <laughs> Did everyone catch that? We won't be meeting this week, just Rebecca and I, uh, unfortunate timing. Uh, but Nate and Brittany uh, lead a small group, and next Sunday we'll talk about their upcoming move, and Chris and Abby um, are leading uh, with them. And Southwest Baltimore is where they meet, uh, even though they draw from a large area. Ron and Lisa, Lisa, will you raise your hand, please? Uh, Ron and Lisa uh, lead a small group as well in uh, the Waverly uh, neighborhood, and they are awesome, outstanding, amazing uh, leaders, uh, as are Ben and Kristen. Are they still uh, yeah, there? Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, ben and Kristen, also in Waverly, um, also um, lead a small group. There are a number of, of Purple Book groups as well, and am I forgetting any? Okay, um, so there are a number of different ways of doing small group. Um, grab someone, ask them, ask about it, ask about how you can get involved, uh, and maybe we can even uh, invent one for you. So uh, we're very glad to be together. Let me close in prayer real quick and just grace and peace on each of you for this week. I know many of us are facing challenges this week. God, thank you that you knew we would need help. Thank you that you've given us help in Jesus, in power, in the Word, and that by the Holy Spirit you're with us every week. Lord, and I thank you that you've given us relationships with each other that can be life-giving relationships and bring change. I thank you for it, Lord. We do ask for your intervention, for healing miracles, for jobs, for change. Lord, for peace and for a touch of your Holy Spirit in the midst of trying times. We thank you for it and for a grace and peace on everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. We're looking forward to, uh, Rebecca and I um, are not hosting the Ravens game as we normally do uh, because we had to uh, reschedule a meeting today. But besides today, for every Ravens game, you are welcome to come uh, to our house.